Hey there, I'm Catalina Villegas. I'm the host of Rolly's Experts Explain Everything podcast. Rolly is the platform where journalists find experts for their stories. It is created by journalists and for journalists. And as a journalist myself, I love to find fascinating people on Rolly. Experts with so much knowledge and insight, and yet it rarely makes it past the headlines. So I'm bringing on one of those experts to answer all of the burning questions I've ever had about their field. Today, I'm chatting with Eddie Caparucci. He is a licensed professional counselor and author of multiple books including going deeper how the inner child impacts your sexual addiction eddie is so nice to have you on oh well thank you for having me here catalina just very happy to be here Eddie, so uh, this is such an interesting topic. I think ever since we saw Tiger Woods revealing that he had uh, a, a sex addiction and he had some issues in in that regard, um, I think it's been on a lot of people's minds. And I've always ever wondered, how did you get into a field like this? How does someone begin to explore that? Well, <clears throat> my field, the way I got in here was, uh, one, a recovering sex addict myself, 25 years, uh, worked in corporate America. I went back to school, got another master's degree, did all the state work, and wound up opening up a practice that I was a generalist. But then over a very short period of time, all the men started coming into my office, and I was like, and they were dealing with pornography or sexual addiction. And I was looking at it, and I was saying, well, my God, these guys look like me years ago and so that point I went back and I did all the work I needed to do to get certified in that area of treatment and that's what I've been doing for the last 10 years. That's so fascinating to to know that you have the kind of that backstory and you have that very special relationship in that way with your patients because you have kind of been there and done that and you understand how does that change the relationship and how does that um, make it easier for you to uh, put yourself in their shoes and and walk them through uh, possible therapies? Well, that's a great question. It does help a great deal because you have to remember, you know, I, I can almost get into their mindset. I can actually almost feel their emotions and what they go through, not only just when they struggle, but when they also have to deal with the shame and guilt about what their actions have done for those who they have betrayed. And that I think give me an edge. And I will tell you this, that a lot of the people, we're not a big group, those who are certified in the area of sexual addiction, uh, is growing and it needs to grow because this is becoming an epidemic uh, in our society. A large majority of them have dealt with similar issues in the past. And again, as I said before, what it does, it just allows us to bond a little bit closer because our clients realize we definitely know what they're going through because we've been there ourselves. Mm. You know, Eddie, I was wondering, is there something um, in childhood that makes it maybe makes you more vulnerable to sex addiction later on in life, like an abusive relationship or something like that? Or are we all just uh, just as vulnerable? Well, there's no doubt. If we look at what is a sexual addiction, a sexual addiction is not about sex. It really doesn't have anything to do with our libido. Okay, you can have a high libido, but yet you can learn how to control that libido to say, okay, so I'm married and my wife, you know, thinks engaging in sex twice a week is fine. 
okay, I could do that. And then, you know, maybe another night where I'm feeling like I do have kind of the high libido, but instead I'm going to busy myself by going and reading a book or doing something else. So libido really doesn't have anything to do with it. What it is, is the people who don't, who lack the impulse control. So therefore they're just constantly, like, even though they'll say, well, my drive is, is what's leading me to do this. And it's not your sex drive that's leading you to do that. That's an excuse for it. A sexual addiction is an intimacy disorder. And what happened is as we are growing up, um, the people who deal with the sex addiction do not get that extent of emotional uh, nurturing that is required. Uh, Maybe they don't really get noticed by friends. Maybe they don't get this sense of affirmation. And because of that, they're searching for it. But what happens is, Carolina, they have confused intimacy. And they've confused emotional intimacy for physical intimacy. So therefore, what Mm. they do is they change physical connection, thinking that they're going to be soothed in an emotional way. And they keep finding out, no, they're disappointed by that. So that is the case in a large majority of people who deal with a sexual addiction. However, there's another factor, and that factor is also now that it is just so easy to get your hands on it. The accessibility Mm -hmm. is just so simple. And therefore, kids as young as eight, nine are now looking at pornography because it's available to them. And what that does, that type of content, what it does is start to have an impact on the brain because what it does, it produces a uh, hormone called uh, dopamine. And dopamine is a pleasure-enhancing hormone. And so now the kids are producing this at a level that is not really healthy. And what it is, it turns them almost into adrenaline junkie. And therefore they want more and more and more. So that's another aspect of it. And that's what winds up leading to the addictive aspect of it. Because the brain continues to to crave these high levels of dopamine that we're not really supposed to be producing. So then is there a healthy amount of porn that people should be consuming or is any porn uh, that going to lead you astray? Well, let me tell you what, I, what this is my own belief. Okay. And, and that is that pornography, um, I believe, hurts individuals and it hurts our relationships as well as society. And I'll explain why. For an individual, especially a younger individual, watching pornography, okay, you think about children who are watching pornography, and even teenagers, that's how they're learning how to love. That's how they're learning to have sex. And therefore, they're not getting the guidance of what really is a healthy sexual lifestyle. Well, a healthy sexual lifestyle is both to support or reinforce our emotional intimacy that we have. There's nothing emotionally intimate about pornography. We're starting to see now at the ages of 18, 19, 20, young men who are dealing with erectile dysfunction, 
And the reason they're dealing with that now is because of watching pornography and chronic masturbation. So now they get into a a situation with a real woman and they can't perform. That is just one of the things that that causes a problem with pornography. Mm. I mentioned um, Tiger Woods earlier, and I know that you work with a lot of professional athletes. I wonder if that group of people is maybe more vulnerable to it, or do we just have more visibility of it because they're more open about it? Yeah, I don't think they have any more... um, I don't think they're any more at risk than anyone else to it. Because again, there's a lot of factors that play into it, especially our growing up, you know, and, and the lifestyle that we have. And did we have parents who bonded with us, who connected with us, who showed us what emotional intimacy is? Uh, and you're going to find that across all walks of life. Because when it comes to a sexual addiction, there are no demographic geographic, you know, boundary whatsoever. Mm-hmm. It affects people throughout the world and it affects people of all races, all religions, um, and all ages. We're seeing the population among women uh, grow uh, at a very high rate right now who are struggling with the addiction also. So again, it has no boundary whatsoever. That's really interesting. I didn't know it impacted women. Can you tell me a little bit more about how women are getting caught up right. in this as well? Well, among women, what we're seeing is, again, go back to the uh, the fact that it's so accessible. Mm-hmm. And therefore, we're seeing young girls who are now being exposed to porn more often. And see, the horror of all of this is, is that pornography is teaching little boys it's okay to objectify little girls. But even worse yet, teaching little girls, it's okay to be objectified. Mm, That's really interesting. You know, you mentioned a little bit earlier that this is something, a problem that kind of um, has no bounds. It can affect anyone anywhere. But I wonder if you have any particular comment about Um, the way we view sex here in the United States or our relationships to sex or even sex ed and how that plays a part in um, the sexual addictions. It's really funny that you bring up that question. My wife and I were actually talking about that the other day. We were saying how uh, I remember when I was growing up in the 70s, how people would say uh, um, the Europeans we're so much more open and freer about sex than the Puritan American that we would keep it hidden or shut behind closed doors. And, and they were definitely right about that. It definitely was the case. But what happened in the, from the 80s on is that sex really has come out into the forefront, especially because of the media through advertising, promotion, uh, sex sells. That's what, you know, we talk about. I I was in advertising for 25 years, so I know that aspect of it. You want to catch, capture someone's attention, and nothing does it more so than sex. So I think as Americans, we are catching up 
with uh, Europeans and people throughout the rest of the world who are taking a more casual look at sex and approach to sex than we did before. And with that, it definitely does play into the rise of popularity among pornography because, again, if, if society is telling you, hey, everything goes, nothing wrong, do what you want, well, then people are just going to indulge. But unfortunately, that indulging, whether it be with multiple partners, which many times can lead to a sexually transmitted disease, or just the declining of someone's mental health as depression start to kick in because they feel like I can't obtain that satisfying one-on-one relationship, you know, or to pornography, which again leads to a litany of different problems, including the escalation, because what will happen is you start watching something for a young man looking at a naked woman, that's arousal, and they and they can uh, get excited. But as time goes on, that doesn't do it for them. And they have to see something that's more different. And what we're seeing, the trend with pornography now toward women is showing violence. Mm -hmm. We're seeing a lot of violence when it comes to pornography. And as I said, young boys are seeing this and they're looking at it and saying, oh, so that's how women want to be treated. Yeah, you know, I was watching this show on um, HBO. It's called Euphoria. And one of the scenes, it shows this basically young, I think he's a high school or young college student. And it's one of his first times having sex. And he starts doing all these things that you would, the, the very violent that, it, you know, the show alludes that he saw in porn. But obviously the girl's just so taken back and confused and you know this was supposed to be I guess their first romantic night together and it just it went completely wrong and so I can totally see how you know that's if that's all you've seen how you might all of a sudden think that that's what you're supposed to do well that as I said to you that that's what pornography doing is teaching our youth how what what is sex and what is love and you're right you know, here's a, here's a young couple, they get together, she's envisioning this romantic, you know, uh, love-making you know, session, and he has his hands around her throat, perhaps, or whatever, and she wonder what's going on, and he's thinking, oh, this is just normal, and she really, she enjoys that. Right. Um, I wonder for people that are struggling with sex addiction, are there any therapies available? Is there medicine? Um, what is available to those folks? Therapy for sex addiction only began back in the 1980s. And a lot of it was based on the fact of, okay, how can we help these people learn to control their compulsive nature? So it was a lot about behavior modification. Mm. What has happened over the years is people have started to understand that, wait, you know what? This is not really so much about a fact that somebody just, they have that high sex drive, they're looking for more sex. What it really is, is an intimacy disorder. Um, I created something that's called the inner child model for treating sex and porn addiction. And what that does, it looks at the why question. Why does sex have a stronghold on your life? 
And through that, what I do is we go back and we look at what are the unresolved childhood pain points that get triggered today through negative events that we currently experience. You know, so therefore, it's things such as your know, boredom or uh, feeling alone, feeling unaffirmed, lack of control, um, feeling entitled. I've identified nine different reasons why men abuse sex. And it all ties back into, as I said, the inner child model. But what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to get people to have insight about themselves. Why do I think, feel, and do the things I do? Because I believe that they answer that question and they're empowered to make real changes in their life. Annie, thank you so much for that insight and for sharing your personal as well as professional um, takes on sex addiction. You can learn a lot more about Eddie by visiting www.innerchild-sexaddiction.com. Oh, that was wonderful. Thank you, too. And you can always find hundreds of other exceptional experts at www.roleyapp.com. I'm Catalina Villegas. You can always connect with me on social media at Catalina Official, O-F-F-C-L, on Twitter, IG, or Facebook. Until next time.